And now it's two different databases that have to be kept online with high and availability. See, that's just annoying. And you've you got segmented yeah. data, right? You can't, I mean, how do you run report? I don't know if any, there's any need for reporting on both of those things. Yeah, like what's the relationship between that data even? Oh, it, it, it's the same. You know, I, I think I had ranted on a previous episode about how we have React, and this is not a dig on React. We have React being rendered in. <laughs> I don't get racist, but <laughs> some of my best friends are, re- are React programmers. <laughs> You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 34. And on today's show, we're going to try playing with the format a little bit. We're just going to go back to our roots. We're going to talk more water cooler discussion and just see where it goes. But as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Ben, it looks like it is your turn to go first, buddy. Excellent. And I'm kicking us off with a triumph. Winner. I, uh, two weeks ago, I was asked to estimate some work for a client of ours. We're building some custom feature into the application. And I estimated that I'd be able to get it done by this Friday, and I finished today. So I'm coming in uh, a full day ahead of schedule, and I feel like that in the engineering world is pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good. So you're saying you underestimated. <laughs> yep, every time. But, you know, I think I went about it very strategically. I said I need to do a little investigation to see how much of the application I need to touch before I understand the scope of work. So I took it a full day and looked through the application, looked through various repositories, looked through the code base, did a bunch of extended finds. And I got a sense of here are all the different touch points that I'm going to have to probably interact with. I didn't do like a deep dive, but I got a bird's eye view, wrote down a list and just, I, I tend to be really high level in my estimation. I don't look at something and say, that'll take an hour or that'll take three hours. I basically just give a day for everything on the list figuring that some of those mm. will be less than a day and then some of them will be more than a day. And it sort of just figures itself out. So pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I was, I'm ending the week on a high there. What about Good you, job. Tim? Nice. Thank you. Tim, what do you got going on? Well, I, we're doing two episodes this week in the same week. Normally we, we do once a week, but so to a last episode show, I was, I was down cause I had lost my just drive. I just wasn't feeling it on Tuesday, but amazingly I got it back. So no yay, I got my mojo back. I think what made the difference was I didn't really have a lot of code. I wear a lot of hats. I didn't have a lot of code work to be doing at the time. And I was looking for something to do. So I just said, all right, I'm going to take the coding hat off and I'm going to focus on some sales and marketing stuff, some um, relationship building stuff, partnership building stuff. And I got really into it and I'm like, okay, cool. So, and it seemed to be paying off because made some really good headway on some really important collaborative efforts with other companies. And so that kind of gave me that excitement, but I do have some code stuff that's coming in the future that I can look forward to. So I'm excited about that. So yeah, I just, I had a case of the Mondays on Monday and Tuesday, <laughs> but now I'm back baby. So nice man. It makes me just makes need me some happy. extra flair. Yeah. A little more flair on my You're jacket. You're only so. feeling better because you knew you were going to see us again. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Twice yeah. in one week. That's it's like a lot of that's, energy. That's like, yeah. that's like Christmas twice in a year. It's fantastic. How about you, oh, Carol? Guys, I got some sad news what? for you. So yesterday I had bird eggs. Today the eggs are gone. Mm-hmm. 
They are just oh. gone. They're not in the birdhouse at all. So I think something in nature mm. ate them. So kudos to the thing in Aiden in nature that ate them. I'm glad you got some dinner, but something ate the eggs. Aww. So they're gone. Little snake Probably. got it. But I, I do birds have. eat bird eggs. Do also. they? Yeah. I know I owls think, will. Mm-hmm. My, but if a bird eats a bird egg, won't it leave the Probably. Shell there was no shell. So oh, I thought a snake. Yeah. yeah. Probably mm-hmm. a snake. No more three little birds by no, your doorstep. No more. But I have a tech win. <laughs> okay. Let me go to my tech win. Ben got I think it's a song, right? And then the chipmunk song. Yeah. It's a Bob Marley. No, it's Bob oh, Marley. Chipmunks sing it. <laughs> I, maybe. I mean. I think the chipmunks sing it too. That's who I'm okay. giving credit right. to for the song is the chipmunk. Don't. Don't worry about a thing. (laughs) That's the song. So like Tim said, we recorded on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I was in a a hole in an async await problem where something just was not coming out right and couldn't figure it out. Had someone else look at it with me and he couldn't figure it out either. So I slept on it, came in here Wednesday morning and opened my code and was like, oh, look at that. I kind of introduced my own problem by throwing a dot then in there to a promise that shouldn't have been there. So I'm like, oh, so whenever I took out some dot thens that I had added to actually get the promise out, I was like, oh, now everything just works perfectly. I was like, why did I ever introduce that? Why did I put that code there? (laughs) There should be like an ESLint rule you can opt into that tells you like don't use dot then you're going to be using yeah like if i'm in an async function just why am i even throwing a dot then into it and i was like oh buddy i'll get it next time right (laughs) so then i had to tell my team i was like about that problem i couldn't fix not only did i fix it i introduced it and sorry (laughs) so yay please god five little characters it was one thing that i don't quite connect with and i know people are loving this is one of the I don't know if it's TypeScript or one of the newer releases of ECMAScript now includes top-level await. So typically you have to have an await inside an async function. But I think mm-hmm. now in like the bleeding edge stuff, you can just have an await even if you're not inside of an async function. And I just okay. I don't get how that's supposed to work. Meaning that the await function returns a promise always. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So how does it like what's the expectation of no. error handling it i think your understanding might be flawed and maybe that's why you don't get it so await lets you wait for a promise to return an async function always returns a oh promise. sorry that's what i meant to say if i said something different okay so, I took it yeah, that way. so i mean the way that i am looking at it is that like that top level of your code, the the whole file itself just sort of becomes an async function, right? And so the event loop or whatever's running your JavaScript is expecting a promise back now. And if you return, I mean, it doesn't even have to return anything, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, whatever. I mean, it's just doing that, but I guess I I haven't been so many times that I wanted top level await that, yeah, I'm one of those people that's like, yes, finally, <laughs> dancing in the streets. But see, I haven't seen a use for it. Like, I don't know when I would use it. So, so for me, the first thing that comes to mind is we have config that we have available inside of our VPC on AWS. So basically, only when you're like on our VPN or you're inside of our cluster of servers behind the firewall, config is available over an HTTP service. Okay. 
And so there are a lot of things that are like simple scripts that run, but it needs to get config first before it can do like right. anything. And because we don't have top level await, we have to jump through some extra hoops to like wrap everything in an async iffy or right, something right. crazy like that. Huh. But then do you ever run into this a race condition where a node, I know you can register an unhandled promise rejection mm-hmm. callback. Handler. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to say handle handler. <laughs> handle, handler. <laughs> I mean, yeah. unhandle so handler. It, it's interesting, right? Because it's almost like you need, if you have your ingress file, like your top level file, mm-hmm. it's almost like the asynchronous aspect of it is defined by the fact that it has an await inside of it. Or maybe it's just always async because I'm wondering if there's now some weird race condition where what happens if an error occurs before you register your unhandle promise rejection callback like Mm. does the nature of an async in that function now change the timing of when those functions get called is is there a time where you can throw an error now in a top file and the error just gets swallowed because there's nothing listening for it but because it's technically returned as a promise like it doesn't error error it just sort of rejects i don't know i've never played with it that's a good question now i don't know Sounds like something I would look up on Ben's blog. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Ben would look up on Ben's blog. That's why he wrote it. What about you, Adam? So I have a fail, and it's going to sound weird. It's To me, this sounds like one of those disingenuous interview answers, right? What's your biggest... What, weakness. What is that? I'm trying to think of it. What's your biggest weakness? And... You were like, oh, I care too much or too much attention to detail, whatever. So my fail here is that I'm, I would say, naturally, obnoxiously optimistic to the point where it can be a problem. And I know that that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense by itself. So I have a story prepared. About, story time, kids. <laughs> about eight years ago, my family moved, right? We were just outgrowing our, our first house and looking to buy a second house. And so we were house shopping. and. Pretty much everywhere that we looked at, as long as it was, it met the minimum level of like, we could live here. I was all gung ho. I was just like, yeah, this is a great house. Why do we need to look at anything else? Let's buy it to the point where like, I think one of the first places that we saw the, the, you know, like family room or living room, the place where you spend most of your time in your house, this house's family room was like, I don't know, eight feet wide by like 20 (laughs) feet long. And it was obvious that this was just like an awkward floor plan. and. That didn't phase me. I was like, I liked, there were other things about the house that I liked. And I was like, we would live, we would survive here. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. And so I was like, gung ho. Couldn't, I couldn't see the negatives because I was too happy with the potential of the yeah. positives. Right. And, and so that sort of optimism can get me into not so much trouble, but it just, it, it leads me down bad paths sometimes. And so I have a, a sort of a tech example here too. We've talked recently about my love for makefiles, and that's not going anywhere. I still love makefiles for basic stuff, but we've also talked about some of the ways that that my team has been pushing makefiles probably sort of to the limit of what they're capable of doing or what should be done with them. And things get kind of hairy. And speaking of clean code, the code definitely gets unclean. When you've got three times as much comments as code to explain why things are working this way. And it's just not a good sign. And so 
I think we might be backing away from make files a little bit just because, and I mean, we haven't even identified a good place to go next, but the, the approach that we're currently using is just not going to be a good one long-term. And I did find, so Kurt Wiersma tweeted back, I tweeted out a thread of like, this is my problem. These are sort of the constraints I'm trying to work within. And Kurt replied back with a, a link to this library called Just, which is actually written in Rust. I don't know, that might be uh, part of where it gets its name from. But <clears throat> it's basically sort of a re-implementation of Make, but they took away some of the idiosyncrasies of Make that were specific to the fact that this was invented I don't even know how many years ago. I want to say 30, 40 Whoa. years ago. It's been around um, a long time. Yeah. And, and so it, there were some assumptions baked into Make that don't work when you're using it as a task runner. Right? It's, it was invented as sort of a build system for C programs. And when you're using it for a different purpose, it's a little odd. And so there's some things that are different about it. And I'm really interested in it. Oh, another thing about this. So you guys have seen some basic make files. One of the really interesting things about just is that in each target, so right, like I said, it's basically a, a very slight variation on make files, right? So you've still got a target and a script underneath each target, but at the top of each of that little script in for each target, you can put, it's called a shebang, the pound exclamation point slash mm-hmm. user bin env node or whatever executable you want to use. And so you can script different targets in different languages. So you can have like oh, one cool. quote unquote make file, like just file that has Ruby nice. in it and Python and node and bash, whatever. Okay. I'm liking this. It's, it's really interesting. So I, I'm going to be spending some time playing with it. Just you, to see you if sound optimistic yeah. about it. <laughs> Why would you say that? I don't know. You got it. Yeah. yeah. You kind of got a little excited there when you're like, Oh, this is one thing it does. Yeah, is really, really cool. Neat. Oh. Yeah. You know, I I think all of us can. I probably have some stories like that too, where you just get overly excited about a certain technology, a little too early, and then you make decisions based off that excitement, and then you wind up dealing with the consequences down the road. Right. So I'm a little confused as to the. Just sounds like it's basically a drop and replacement for make files. So it's not that you're moving away from mm-hmm. make files; you're moving towards a just- make file that's better doing it differently your type of workflow a, a new make executable kind of i mean so I, I mean i was trying to be careful to say up front there that we haven't necessarily yeah, decided yeah. to use just in fact i i sent the link toward the end of the day today to my coworker and said this is interesting and i pointed out some of the neat things about it like the multiple language stuff and i haven't gotten a single response from anybody <laughs> about it yet so i have no <laughs> idea what my coworkers think they busy, but they're like, um, man, Adam's happy again about it, something. Right. Probably. <laughs> so I'm not saying necessarily that we're moving to that, but I found it really interesting. Now, one of the problems that our current solution does that we haven't found anything, including just that really intentionally solves is that we have, so we have a, a series of microservices and they're all deployed in the same way, right? They're built as Docker containers. They're, we have tests. So we have a consistent way to test them all, a consistent command to test them all. And they're all deployed to AWS Fargate. And so there's a lot of similarity between them in the DevOps, right? So the same commands to build your dev environment, to build and publish a production build, to, to run the test, to do a deploy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the things that we were doing with MIG files 
was that was why we had that whole like inheritance thing we talked about where we had sort of a base make file that had the the default implementation which was common to all of our mod all of our microservices and if we needed to override one for some reason then we could do that and I, I again i don't see an easy way to necessarily do that with just and then there's the idea of another part of the reason that we well, I'm not sure. I forget the details of how this all came together. But so one of the things that it also does is it does sort of auto updating of that base inherited script by going into its directory and running a git pull so that we get the latest from that repository if there happened to have been any changes to it recently. And again, like that's just not something that I think anything out there is really solving for. And I don't know if that is a sign that we're doing things wrong maybe <laughs> or if that maybe that's a niche that needs to be filled i have no idea at this point well if i can offer up some candor and, and maybe this is not really relevant but in in one of the previous episodes you were talking about you're working on your feature flag implementation and part of the way you were implementing it is that when you change a feature flag there's some magical script that like auto generates pull requests that store that. And then Mm -hmm. to me, that feels over. Yeah. It feels a little too overly optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. No, it's really cool. Don't get me wrong. It's really cool, but it's, it almost, it starts to feel because I don't know very much about the GitHub command lines and interacting with Git programmatically. Mm -hmm. It starts to feel very magical from my perspective because I have no experience there. Sure. So I can, for, I'll speak to that one specifically. We have another system that was already doing that. Right, um, right, right. And it is working. Yeah, we haven't yeah. had any problems with that mechanism. And it's using the official GitHub SDK <laughs> to do all the interactions with GitHub. And yeah, I mean, all it's basically doing is checking out a copy of the repository, updating the JSON file, saving that and making a commit with it, and then making a pull request with that one commit. So I, I totally agree with you. It sounds a little too crazy to actually be a good idea, but, just, but at the same time, it's working yeah, for yeah. us. It's just a pull request. And, it's not like any codes going right. in. It's not anything crazy. It's just a PR. That's it. I guess I'm jaded at this point in my life when two systems have to connect <laughs> for some reason. That <laughs> sounds weird in, in the world of web development, but it just, I, there's, in my experience, in the application that I work on, which every application is a unique snowflake, every point of contact between two systems represents some sort of future frustration. I oh, agree yeah. there. Yeah. So I try, I almost err on the side of like being obnoxiously optimistic about a single technology. I'm like, oh, I can totally do this with Cold Fusion. If I have to like shoehorn in some sort of a distributed lock that manages task execution across <laughs> multiple servers, because I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it in confusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love your loyalty. <laughs> Let me ask you though, Adam. So you talk about this as a fail. I, I mean, I hear, you know, how you feel about it, but mm-hmm. where have you seen legitimate failures? from that sort of Um, attitude that you have? That's a fair question. I think maybe the reason that I consider it a fail is because if it wasn't for the 
clear headedness of my wife, I probably would have bought a, a house that was not a good <laughs> idea to buy. Right. And then that's a really bad decision. That's a big decision. Yeah. And so I can see that as having a lot of potential to get me in trouble. So it sounds like, I mean, your wife is sort of the the foil to your optimism there that kind of tempers it. Who's that in your organization when it comes to technology? Or is there have anyone? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that my CEO is pretty good about that. He's very good at taking sort of a a higher level view, stepping back and seeing the forest for the trees Mm -hmm. sort of thing and asking the right questions. and. It's funny. I so maybe actually so while we were working on our current product, maybe so actually we've talked in the past about our Git branching strategy. And Ben, you said you wanted to hear like that that decision when we were when we decided to go with multiple sort of master branches for each Dang. customer. That yeah, I mean at the time they were master because nobody knew any better. <laughs> we all know better know now. Better. Let's be That's clear. Right. But that same day. And I remember it vividly. I mean, we had that meeting that I had mentioned to you where we were when we were waiting for a meeting and we made that decision. After the meeting, we went to a coffee house to just sort of unwind and, and recap from the meeting. And I was like, okay, well, while we're here, well, let me show you this thing. This is a new thing that has just sort of popped up in the tech world. And and I think it's really going to be good and big. And I, I think maybe we should consider this. And it turned out it did get big. It was React. So there are times that I pick the right horse too, right? And you guys use React? We do. Yeah. Um, We have, I would say, oh God, in terms of lines of code, it's a very small percentage, but in Mm -hmm. terms of um, revenue, revenue generating code, it's a huge amount. Oh, that's cool. You presented on React in... I did. In Minneapolis. However you say that. I suck at Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Whatever. At the college at that one time. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I, I, the reason I asked about who's your foil is I think in a small company, if you don't have that, that, that unchecked enthusiasm mm-hmm. can oh, be can dangerous mm-hmm. and, and have long-term effects on a company as it continues to grow. And I think a lot of small companies that got really big, really fast deal with that decisions made at the time. And I, myself, several times on this, this podcast, my love for cockroach DB. We don't officially use it anywhere, but I'm just absolutely enamored with the ability to set up multiple shards of a SQL database that also kind of acts like a document database and you can just spread it geographically all over the place and it keeps things atomic. I mean, just it has so many benefits. Right. But what my foil is because the size of the organization I'm in, I realize the struggle that I would have to introduce that into our ecosphere and and to replace the incumbents is so big. It's just not a fight I'm ready to do now until you start really seeing Cockroach make some big money moves in the marketplace where bigger companies are really using it and it becomes more somewhat more common. And now it's you can get the, the people to sustain it and to maintain it. And yeah, there's just that is what that's what puts me in check. And just that kind of organizational overhead of if you're going to introduce something that important to to a place it's going to be scrutinized. And so I, I realize that. And so I say, well, okay, I got to slow my roll. I also here. take mm-hmm. a look at the community support. Like I want to be able to get mm-hmm. online and find help and find answers. And if it's brand new to it, no matter how shiny it is and how great it looks, I kind of just step back and go, 
not enough people are contributing yet. Not enough people are in there. I don't want to spend the first year of using this product answering questions for everyone else. Like I want there to be a good support mm-hmm. and a good community built when I start doing it. For sure. I don't want to be the guinea pig. Nobody wants to be the guinea pig. Not in tech. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> One thing that I've heard the engineering world in general, or maybe this is specifically the web development world in general, accused of is judging things based on their benefits and almost not at all on their drawbacks Mm. and using that and like essentially not thinking about the operational costs or the organizational costs like tim was saying in the long term only thinking about the things that you get in the happy path of how something works but we kind of do that in everything adam walks are almost like look it has a toilet this is great like this is exactly (laughs) where we should be at babe let's move in here I go to the bathroom yeah. like every day. I think there's a spot for a fridge. Yeah, I, We're good. I can't tell you how we do, like some sort of product that I just buy for around the house. I'm like, I really want this thing, and I just buy it, and I feel so good about it. And then I get it, and then I wind up looking at like the longer YouTube videos about the pros and cons. Right. Like, why didn't I do this beforehand? I because I didn't want. I think there's a part of ourselves that we don't want to hear the negative part no. about it, right? We we want to believe, we want to buy yeah. into the dream, and looking and hearing people say the negative parts of it are kind of uh kind of burst that bubble I, actually although audiobooks i'm very particular about i always look at the negative yeah. reviews first <laughs> oh yeah oh, yeah I mean, that's good i mean you know they'll have information about narrator problems or yeah i always do that because i've been burned i've only get so many tokens a month from audible and it's like if i don't want to burn this one and then wind up with a book i like you know don't even want to finish so you know you can return them right i you do i don't even want to do that yeah, yeah, you can. If it's like a certain period of time, you can totally return it. I'm, but I just feel dirty. I'm almost certain you can return them anytime, including after you've completely read it. Carol's laughing like she's totally okay. done this. Like every single time she's purchased or something. <laughs> Karen, Carol has only ever bought one Audible credit. <laughs> it just keeps recycling it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Adam, Not sponsored and for, Adam, it for tell, very good reasons. Adam, tell them. <laughs> well, tell us how many Audible credits that you've purchased in your life by how red you get. <laughs> when we no, stop recording, we'll I, talk. Hey, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely take advantage of that, right? Like, so for the longest time, I was the type of person that would read a book. What's the word that I'm looking for here? Like I would get mad at it and read it anyway, because like I'm not enjoying it, but mm. I, I feel like this responsibility to finish <laughs> what I start. And so I'll start a book and I'm like two chapters in and I hate it. I'm like, I hate reading it. And I reached this point in my life when I was like, nobody's making me do this. There's no test, <laughs> right? I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm hating every minute of it. Why am I doing this to myself? And so I just, I like, I can vividly remember the first time I put down a book and I was like, I'm not going to finish this book. And I returned it to the library. And that was that. It was uh, Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson. Um, really? Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I like a lot of his books. But that one, especially like the, the constant jump and forth, back and forth between the, the timelines and the characters from the mm. same family with the same name, like in two different timelines. I was like, too much for me. I'm out. <laughs> so it was a good story, but I couldn't keep yeah. it straight. I'll have to try an audiobook because I feel like I would be, be able to get through it faster and that would help me keep it straight. And maybe like if, there, if the narrator does different voices for the different people, that would also help. 
Yeah. So, I mean, so bringing it back to tech, I mean, the, like Ben said, sometimes we need to maybe check out the negatives first, right? And weigh those mm-hmm. rather than only weighing the, the pros. Yeah. Cause you know, I'll be honest, I've only looked at the pros of cockroach. I've never even tried to look at a search of like, what errors does it have? What is the common things that people complain about? Your point. There should be like, they're out there. There should be like a Yelp for software. Oh, Angie's list. <laughs> right? So, so you can go read the one-star reviews and stack overflow. Yeah, but there's not like a, a, a place where you can go and read like literally I agree. rate the information and like okay, so Carol gave this app a one-star review. Mm-hmm. Why? And what's her description and what's wrong with it? And it's just like on Amazon, right? There's going to be some one-star reviews that are like about the shipping time or the box that came in or the the fact that the shipper like beat it up, right? Obviously, that has nothing to do with the product. So you just right, ignore that's those. Frustrating. But there's also plenty of useful one-star reviews. And also, I think that the the people that are most likely telling the truth are the like three, three and a half, four-star people. Mediocre, yeah. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're being objective. They're not just like blowing sunshine yeah. up your butt. <laughs> who would ever want that i mean sunshine up your butt sounds like yeah, something adam I just, would want yeah, i don't it's a spa treatment <laughs> a spa treatment <laughs> here's a window <laughs> bend over one thing that i've noticed is that i'll be looking through code and it's code that i didn't write and it's crazy not because i didn't write it because i think it's like legit crazy and it's really hard to update or it's not working properly or there's like crazy hacks in it. And I'm just like, oh, F you for making me maintain this code. (laughs) And like inevitably the person that I'm angry at no longer works at the company. Oh yeah. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about like, Adam, you've been at your place for nine years, right? Or going on nine years. I've, yeah, you and I've been, yeah, I've been on the same time. Tim's been at his company, what, for like 20 years, you said 20 years. I think you said you were at your previous one for five years. Well, so I did like five years and then a year and a half somewhere and then came back yeah, for two details, years details, and now details. six months. Yeah. But she's like a bad penny. She yeah, kept yeah. I, you know, I think there's a benefit to being at a single place for years because you get to really see and feel and experience the impact of decisions. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you, even within a company, if you jump around from team to team, I think really what you lose is that is the long-term impact of decisions. So I think Mm -hmm. it's easier to be optimistic when you don't have to then deal with your decision for the next eight years. And I think Mm -hmm. having to do that makes you maybe a little bit more gun-shy, although Adam clearly is obnoxiously optimistic, so (laughs) (laughs) so your mileage may vary. But I just wonder if there's like two different segments of people that have two very different feelings just because they haven't had to deal with things the way certain people have. I can see that. Yeah, when you have to clean up your own mess, Very it's humbling. humbling. Yeah, like the saying, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, right? What if you never had to have hindsight? Like, what if you never had to wonder what happened back then because you weren't there to deal with it? You're like, all right, cool. Everything yeah. went well. Moving on. That's that's Peter, right? Last week, we talked about the Peter principle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was that I last know, week or the week, week before? before whatever. Yeah, couple, maybe couple weeks. two or three, yeah. yeah. But you upwardly yeah. fail to your yeah, you just, you incompetence <laughs> fast enough that it's not your problem. <laughs> like, oh my God. So I'm a relational database fan. Um, I like, we use MySQL. I happen to use MySQL. I grew up on 
Microsoft SQL. Did I mention I use Postgres? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and years okay. ago, Sorry. someone introduced MongoDB into our application. And I have nothing against MongoDB, but it, now it's like now there's two databases that we have to interact with. Is that like starting a sentence with, I don't want to be racist, but <laughs> <laughs> MongoDB yeah. sucks. Like, there, there are still places in the code where I look at the queries that are hitting our MongoDB d- database. And the query is where the ID equals the ID as a number or the ID equals the ID as a string because there's no schema at the document level. And at some point, someone wrote code that was inserting IDs as a string and none of those were coming back. (laughs) So it's like, wow, you opted to choose a database that had no schema validation, which is fine. But then when you realize there was a problem, you didn't then go back and clean up your data. Right. You just added janky code that patched over that problem. (laughs) Now I could, I could point that mirror back at myself and say, I've noticed that happening and I have not gone back and cleaned up the data either. (laughs) It's like not my mess. I didn't do that. You get to make the assumption that they didn't clean it up because they tried cleaning it up and something very bad happened. You just leave it. (laughs) So that's right. Assume the best. Yeah. yeah, They tried to fix it. I don't even know where I was going with that rant other than to say, uh, I look at, I'm not picking on MongoDB. It's just point of mind for me. And I look at the way we use MongoDB and we use it basically like it's a text area. It's not like we're doing fancy document right. level manipulations where we're like pushing onto arrays or incrementing sub keys. Like there's nothing interesting happening. It's basically all get me this JSON blob where this ID equals this ID. So it's nothing you couldn't have done with a it's relational It's nothing you couldn't right. have done with a relational database. And now it's two different databases that have to be kept online with high and availability. See, that's just annoying. And you, you got segmented yeah. data, right? You can't, I mean, how do you run report? I don't know if any there's any need for reporting on both of those things. Yeah, like what's the relationship between that data even? Oh, it, it's the same. You know, I, I think I had ranted on a previous episode about how we have React, and this is not a dig on React. We have React being rendered in. <laughs> I don't be racist, but <laughs> some of my best friends are, re- are React programmers. <laughs> ben, I, we broke Ben, guys. We we broke Ben. <laughs> We might have to take a break. <laughs> wow, I thought Carol turned red. And my vein didn't pop as much oh. as yours did that time. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> All right, so oh. you know some people who write React. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna say, the, in, in the way that we now have Manga running alongside MySQL, we have areas that render React inside Angular, and what it does is really just create a difference in cadence of maintenance that we have a team that's better at angular. So that's the part that gets the attention because Mm -hmm. nobody, it's not that nobody wants to work on the react. It's just even the build process is slower and that there's all kinds of bad decisions Mm -hmm. that were probably made there having nothing to do with react itself. But like same with Mongo, I know how to observe MySQL database. Like I know how to look at the performance. I know how to look at the slow queries. I know how to, you know, run explains on queries. I don't know how to do that on Mongo. It's not so easy. Yeah. So the byproduct of that is that I don't try to optimize anything in Mongo because it's not fun. Yeah. So we, I, we tend to like 
I want to say navigate, but that's the wrong word. What is it when you like go mm-hmm. towards something? Anyways, we tend to lean toward the thing that we know more and that we yeah. can do more. So then when there's something in the application that we don't know how to use or that we're just not as good at, it does become the thing that we neglect. Were you thinking of the word gravitate? gravitate? Gravitate would work. We tend to gravitate toward right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know English, y'all. <laughs> Words are hard. So I'll ask you this, though, Adam. So you talk about the negatives, but I mean, I would imagine there's some positives for you being as in your own words, obnoxiously optimistic. Absolutely. When it comes to it. So what would you say those are? I mean, it pairs well, I think with my ambition, I love a good challenge, right? Sit me down in front of a problem and some constraints and a pile of technology and some documentation. And I could spend three days before I realize I haven't eaten. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, that's my personality. And it's because I get my high from solving those challenges or solving those problems. And, and it's just, I feel like I can identify for the most part, any problem that is impossible to solve, or at least impossible to solve in our constraints. And so when a problem is not impossible to solve, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll take it on. Right. Like, why not? Yeah. I, I, I mean, like I that. think that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I, my, one of my biggest weaknesses, I think, is that I can't dream any bigger than my own hands. Like, if, if it's not a problem that I, not that I have to understand how to solve it ahead of time, but if it's not obvious, at least how to get like halfway there with the skills mm-hmm. I already have, it's very hard for me to even think that path is possible. It, it, yeah. So I, I think it's like when you build a company, you almost need, some of both of those people, like you need I agree. the dreamers, like Adam, strong. Yeah, who's like, yeah. I don't like. We'll just solve it. Who cares? Like, let's solve this problem today, and we'll just assume we can yep. solve the next problem tomorrow, and, and not fret about it too much. And then you need to be tempered with the people who are the naysayers, mm-hmm. like myself, who are like, ah, oh, there, here's a hundred reasons that won't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think Clark is more like me He's than you? Very much the visionary. Apps, hundred percent. Well, visionary is a different thing, I think. No, he, he's the, yes, he's the eternal optimist. He's like, the, it'll, okay. If he has the vision, he knows he can get there, even if he doesn't know how that okay. works yet. Nice. Right. Yeah. So, for anybody who yeah. has no idea who we're talking about, Clark is the other co founder of Envision. Mm-hmm. I, I always refer to myself as like, I'm, I'm a good number two guy. People are, people are like, they're like, what are you going to do next? You should just start another company. I'm like, what are you crazy? I don't know anything about starting companies. <laughs> that sounds scary. You got a number one that needs help? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I have always been in love with like infrastructure and enabling other people. When I was in college, my first foray into blogging, I kind of talked my best friend on my floor in my, my dorm into like co-blogging with me. And really it was all for me, it was all about, okay, now I get to write the software that he's going to use to blog. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's funny. I mean, I remember about a year ago you were like, Hey, I have this idea for this podcast. (laughs) All right. Not not a full year. It was, We're getting it was during close, the summer. This is what episode well, thirty four. No, we talked during the summer, like toward the end of the summer. Oh, that's true. We did a little I bit. Was like, hey, what do you think about doing this? And we met up around October, right? Kind of really started talking. Yeah, we did. We started recording in October, but we didn't release anything right. until December. So, so yeah, but we were talking about in the your summer. optimism's good. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Ben hit on the head that you got to have that kind of mix of people. When we do our stand-ups, although stand-up is really kind of about what you're working on, any roadblockers, but sometimes there's that little bit of pushback of like someone someone brings up, you know what, I, I think we really need to like go in and relook at how we're doing X. Mm-hmm. And you're like, or I'm like, well, X is working fine. Why are we spending time on this? And like, well, this and this. I'm like, okay. But I mean, are those problems insurmountable with the way we're doing it now? No, but it'd be better if we just refactored the whole thing. And I just think that conversation between someone, it's not even that the negative Nelly on on that conversation. It's just, I probably don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. And when you start asking questions, hopefully a, a person who's an optimist might be a little self-aware about that and go, you know what, as I say it out loud, the way we're doing it's probably fine. We just need to make a small change rather than a wholesale change and our time spent better elsewhere. Yeah. It, I've gotten a lot better at that business wise and business is the only word that's coming to mind, but I know what you're talking about. Like what's good for the product is not necessarily what the developers want to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it, developers want to do stuff that's fun to develop, right? It has yeah. nothing to do with what, necessarily what's good for the product what's good for the company so getting another viewpoint from someone else says that's a good idea but i mean honestly is it really more important than these five things that would really be better like yeah okay i see your point but that's not to say that there's never a time that doing things that have no immediate impact on the bottom line is a bad idea that was a lot of negatives in one sentence what i'm trying to say (laughs) is sometimes it is worthwhile to do things that that seem completely worthless like a refactor of a huge portion of the application because they improve your ability to make money from that code long term or right right and i wasn't talking about maintain or to maintain it right yeah, I wasn't talking bottom line. I was yeah, talking about yeah. what's best for yeah. the product, right? And sometimes, yeah, you're right. Something that isn't going to necessarily give a, a tangible benefit to the customer, but will make everyone's life a whole lot better. Maintaining the product, building the product, understanding the product, mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> Just do okay. it. Okay. Well, so we've established that the title of this episode is going to be Some of My Best Friends Are React Developers. <laughs> <laughs> but some of I my think best so. friends are React Developers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that we wanted to cover here? I think we're kind of getting close to the end. It's been yeah, about I love quick. that you're optimistic. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. obnoxious at all. Well, you don't have to deal with me on a <laughs> daily basis. <laughs> My weekly amount of you is good. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Small doses. It's just just that's right. You know they sell. All right. Well then if nobody has anything else, let's bring it home. So this episode of Working Code is brought to you by Sunshine Up Your Butt and listeners like you. We cannot do that. <laughs> we totally can. <laughs> we just did. Okay. And if you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingcodepod. Although after that, why would you? <laughs> to say thanks for your support, we offer perks to our patrons. They get an invite to our Discord server. We hang out. We talk about the podcast, about work stuff, life stuff. Anything and everything is fair game. We have other perks like early access to our new episodes and our after show that we're going to go record and pretty much just more of this. Every week, we thank our top patrons. And since this week is part of every week, we're going to send a huge thank you to Peter and to Monty. And you know what? If paying for podcasts isn't your thing, that's cool with us. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. And you can help us out without spending any money by sharing the show with your friends and your coworkers. You can also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and your show topics on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod. 
or you can leave us a message at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253-CODE. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember guys, your heart matters. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.